0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Praise the Lord today. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. The house of the Lord this morning. Amen. So glad that everyone is here. Amen today. And, uh, man, so thankful. We thank everybody for being here. But, man, I'm just thankful for the presence of the Lord. I don't want to be, you know, giving everybody else thanks for being here without taking a little bit of time to let him know I appreciate. You know, we say sometimes, you say, man, i tell you what, the Lord just really showed up. Actually, we're the ones that showed up. He was here. Amen. He's here. It's not like, you know, he was late and he got here. Sometimes we're the ones that are late and we just get clued into where he's at and what's going on. Amen. So we're thankful for the Spirit of the Lord today. Hallelujah. I'll read a verse of Scripture again just to make everybody comfortable this morning. Um, 2 Samuel 11. We are ending our. School of Hard Knocks here series this morning. And you're whiteboards out. It's already different right now, right? But uh, I, feel, I feel like this morning that with the help of the Lord, uh, before we're finished, and I'll be mindful of your time. I know we're starting in later and everything like that. I, I know how to deal with that. I know how to deal with that. But I, I feel like perhaps by the time we're done, that there may just be one of those aha moments uh, for people. That, that could just really do something for their life and uh, more importantly, their life in, in God. And and so I'm going to ask you just to don't don't check out. Just follow me, all right? Just follow me. Just track with me. And let's see what the Lord will do uh, for us here this morning. Again, for the comfort of those who need it, uh, we're going to read a scripture. We'll get to it eventually uh, in our lesson. But I want to go to 2 Samuel chapter number 11. And I'm going to read just the first two verses of Scripture, kind of give us a little bearing, amen, here today. The Bible says, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel. They destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. He just tarried i want to point out a lot of times people say well david uh didn't go to battle he didn't but the scripture seems to indicate that he simply was just like had intentions of going he just didn't go right when it was time to go he just tarried all right he delayed yeah and it came to pass in an evening tide that david arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Amen. Again, this is our last. We've been kind of looking at the life of David a little bit. And this is the last of our series. This is part number five in our school of hard knocks. A matter of fact, I think my mother-in-law was here for the first one. And here she she came to celebrate the end of it today. And uh, we're so glad to have them, amen, with us, which was totally by surprise. But we're glad we can accept those types of surprises. Amen going to pray today god has already done so much i'm just asking him just put a cherry on top today lord i come to you this morning god i'm grateful for all these people that are sitting here today guests lord that we have the lord church lord jesus members god that are here i pray lord you able to help us in the next little while as we look lord at your word that you would help us god through and by it god help us jesus to understand and God, perhaps there'll be something in this, God, that our lives will be able to be challenged and changed by the word of God. We will not fail, Lord Jesus, to praise you and thank you in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. The church, say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. You know it's bad. I know you've got to have two podiums to hold all your junk. I'm telling you right now. Uh, today, but we'll we'll do this with the help of the Lord, amen, this morning, Um, this is just going to be real practical to begin with, uh, folks, and someone might have to cut that fan for me, because some of my notes are real thin, and uh, (laughs) amen today, some of this is going to be real practical, see, that's what I'm talking about, here on, and some of you may see this, and may not be able to see this up here this morning, I tried to write big enough so everybody could see this, and so uh, I'm going to start out just Giving you a little psychoanalyzing here today. Someone's already nervous. They said the first part of that fit me real well, psycho. And uh, but a little psycho analyzing you today. I'll, I'll explain what this is. I'm fine. I'm fine. All right, it's good. We're fine. Amen. Just, just what goes on here? What this basically is 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 a model of of your identity. It's a model of your identity. Uh, it, 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 it's kind of like a window pane, the old window panes that had like four panes in it. And basically what it is is a, the way that your life can be viewed from like four different angles or the identity of your life. And what this, this first little square here represents, it is the area of your life that you know the details and others know the details. Stuff that you know and other people know about you. And so that's that arena of your life or known as the open area of your life. It's not closed to anybody. It's not close to yourself. Everybody knows about it. You know about it. And so this, this is really our, 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 our public persona, all right? Everybody knows about it. You know about it. It's who you are when everybody's looking. It's who you are when everybody is looking. And then there is this other quadrant down here. And this is the things that you know about yourself, but then other people don't know about yourself. So Those things that you know about yourself and other people don't know about yourself. Uh, with that, there might be uh, some fears that you have. And, and I under, this can change dynamics with person to person or groups to groups. But, but it, it, there might be some fears in your life that you kind of keep secretive. You know, you think people judge you if they knew that you was, you know, afraid of flies in the house. And uh, so it's a secretive part of your life that maybe you know, but no one else knows. And so what this part of your life is, this is yours that you have the ability to share pe- to share with people. They don't know it because you don't share it. They don't know it because you don't tell it. And the only way that they will know by and large is probably is if you do that, if you share a portion of your life with you. And so this area of your life is largely the, lived out in the private area of your life because it's that that no one else knows except you or maybe people that is very close or intimate uh, to you. And so it is the person that you are when no one, no one else is around or knows or sees. It's that person. You know, this, this part here is the hidden part of your life is, you know, no one knows your disappointments like you know them. Other people may not. They may, they, they may not even be clued in to some of the things that you've went through in your life, unfulfilled dreams that you have you never told anybody, but they're unfulfilled in your own life because you knew what you were going to do, but you didn't do it. It's that area of your life. This is even the area of your life where there could be secret sins in your life. Nobody else knows about it except you. And then there is that other area of your life that's, that's known to be the blind spot of your life. And it's made up of what you don't know, but what other people know about you. It's also sometimes called the unseen area of your life. And that area of your life is where, I hope you have some friends. Anybody got any friends? <laughs> I hope you have some friends that are close enough to you that they know some things about you but that you don't even know yourself. And the only way, here's the dynamic, the only way you'll get the knowledge of this is number one, you either ask for feedback or those friends in your life willingly give you feedback without you asking. For, in other words, this might be areas, Brother Fred, that, you know, it could be a negative thing. It could be that I'm oblivious to being a prideful person and somebody else finally just puts down their foot and say, "You know what? You're a really great guy, but you know, what? you can be prideful sometimes." Whoa. What? I didn't really know that about myself until someone spoke that into me. Or you got to be vulnerable to be able to ask somebody close to you, "What are some areas that I could work on?" Boy, if that's a you better have a friend. Yeah. What are some areas I could work on? And but see with that, what goes on between this and this is you need to have somebody that you can have accountability with in your life. What I'm saying is you need to have someone that can speak into your life. Whether that's a friend, and I hope that I can uh, someday get to that place in your life, a person of leadership or pastoral leadership in your life, that can speak into your life that the things that you're not aware of that maybe we can bring to the surface. And listen, it's, it's not always negative. It could be something very positive. You know, you could tell somebody that, that's constantly just down on themselves and just kind of just poured themselves in obscurity. You say, you know what? This particular trait about you, man—that's that's tremendous. That's really—you need to really hone that skill. You know, it's like a a, a kid that you know kind of always in class was the doodler on the page while the teacher was teaching. And finally, someone, someone just grinned. I just seen a smirk on their face because they did that, okay. But, but going by and someone, perhaps even a teacher recognizing that, they shouldn't be doing it, of course, at that time. But all of a sudden, man, there's a grand artistic ability that's taking place on the page. Like, you, you need a really poor, you need to be taking some classes along art and something could just flourish and come out that they really didn't. They just thought they was just kind of idly, you know, doing something the past time. But in reality, there was something there that they were blinded to. All right, and so there is that blind spot then in your life, both positive things and negative things that you may not see about your personal self. And this is, this is your naive persona, naive. Not, not everything that you know about yourself. But then there is this other quadrant down here, very peculiar quadrant, and it's what you don't know about yourself, and it's what others don't know about yourself. That's a very peculiar place because I can't get feedback from others because they don't know. And it's like I can't share anything because I don't know it myself. And so we got this unknown spot, areas of our life, perhaps some uh, potentials that are there that we're not even clued in on and neither is anybody else around us. Some giftings that are in us that, that we are not aware of, but know, no one else around us knows as well concerning those things. And so what that brings into the picture, this area of life is the mysterious. For some, some people are more mysterious than others. Now, let me explain. The reason why some people are more mysterious than others is because they never share anything about themselves. All right? They never share anything about themselves, and they've not made enough relationships for anybody to know something about them that they don't. All right, Because whenever, whenever you start doing that, then that starts making this box a little bit smaller and the unknown thing just gets larger and, and, and so on and so forth. But what I'm saying is there's, that's the mysterious part of life. So friends can't help you there. okay? You can't help yourself there. That's where there's only one other variable that can bring discovery to the unknown area of our life. And that's the God factor. The God factor. And with that being said, there will be people if they never invite the God factor into their life, they will live their lives always being a stranger to themselves to a certain degree because there will be certain things they never knew about themselves, no one else ever knew that only God knew. Not only the negativity, but also the positive aspects that you don't know about in your own life that only God knows. Now, I say all that this morning because we've been looking at for the past several weeks this idea of, of, of David. And so I thought it would be fun, <laughs> I thought it would be fun to consider David's life in this, this, this dynamic of these four different angles. Something that most people, we'll start whenever David was just a young lad, okay? Whenever he was a young lad, m- most people probably knew uh, this about David, that he was a shepherd. Right? That was probably common knowledge, and I'm, I'm just, this others know kind of transfers over there. Most people probably knew that David was a shepherd. Other people knew that David was a shepherd. And, and the dynamic of all this changes through time, and I'll show you what I mean. Uh, because David, while he was a shepherd, on the backside of the pasture of his father, he, he, he knows, and we have the bird's eye, we have the God view, folks, when we read the Bible. We got the first, the last, the thoughts, everything in between. And everybody in that day didn't have all that information, but we do. And so from God's perspective, we knew by reading the story that David, while on the backside of the pasture, there came a lion one day to the sheep, and he took the lion and destroyed it, right? We know that there came another bear on another time. We never know that if there's any other shepherds out there, it's seemingly viewed through Scripture almost a task that David kind of handled by himself and that there was a a lion and a bear. These two things come and he fought both of those and he was victorious. And so there was something that David knew at that moment in his life that nobody else knew and that was he was a warrior. Kind of a secret that David knew about himself. Wasn't public knowledge. Wasn't public knowledge at all. But how the dynamics of all this changes then is... um, And and let's even go here. While David is also on the backside of the pasture, we understand that he is writing psalms. He he does instrumentation with his harp. I don't know how much public knowledge that was. I don't know if that's something his brothers knew or he tried to keep away from his brothers. You know, growing up in that culture, I don't know if you wanted your brother to know that you played the harp. (laughs) That might not not go good at house. Yeah, David, he's a harp player. (laughs) You know, they're out there. They're out there digging, you know, three-foot trenches that are five feet wide for 50 miles. (laughs) And, you know, David, he's playing the harp. Yeah, they probably wouldn't really settle real good. You know, all these rustic guys. And there's David with calluses on his fingers because he played the harp. Uh, So so there's an aspect of David even on maybe on the backside of the pasture. You know, here he is. You know, he's a harp player, right? Harpist. We'll call it a harpist. He's a harpist. He's a composer. All right? Something that. That David knew, that perhaps no one else, knew. maybe his dad did. I don't know intimate family, perhaps, I'm just talking about overhaul dynamic. But how this changes is this. And, and this is interesting, because we read in the scripture, and I got stuff all over the place, so if you can just de- deal with me. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 18, uh, our media's going to help us. They got all the scriptures but I told them they're not necessarily in order, OK? Uh, First Samuel 16, verse number 18. It comes to that point in time. David has already been anointed to be king, okay, in the presence of his brethren. Samuel has come and done that. And and there's not a whole lot of words that's between Samuel to David or David to Samuel in that moment. It's like he lifts up the horn of oil. He pours it upon David. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon David. And the Bible seems to portray that in the moment that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, that there's a departing of it from Saul in Scripture. And whenever this happens, Saul then is on a mission. i got to find somebody. Servants, you got to find somebody that can come in and help me with this bad spirit and attitude i got going on. And you need to find somebody that can play the harp, you know, sing, do something. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 18, it says, Then answered one of the servants. This is one of Saul's servants that said, Behold, I have seen a son. Now, when David thought nobody was watching, part of David's life that David perhaps thought no one knew, he said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehem man bethlehemite that is cunning and plain and somehow he has this knowledge as well and a mighty valiant man a man of war and prudent in matters and the comely person of the lord is with him so you could for just that one servant transfer all of those things over you know to something that is now open to one person but it even gets better than that because once david is in the service of of saul there comes that point in time you know of Goliath, everybody remember David and Goliath, the great battle? David comes, you know, some people are seeing him wet behind the ears, just who they thought and knew him to be the shepherd boy, but he comes and he defeats Goliath. And so at that moment in time, that thing that David just knew about himself moves up here. Everybody knows David is a warrior. I mean, he took down Goliath, all these people that's been uh, going around their own hills and mountains for 40 days and never did anything about it. And now that he's in also Saul's court, he's playing. There's a good amount of people that know he's a harpist and that and that he is also a composer. They know all of this about David. And so, man, that's great and tremendous. David is just opening up his life here about who he is. More people are knowing more about David, and this is grand for David. But in our scripture reading today, we've come to a point in time where David is now king. David's king. He's no longer the lad. He is now somewhere around 50 years old. He has been king now for approximately 20 years. And the Bible portrays to us, and, 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 and please, I'm not so much uh, getting hung up on the details today, just the overall principle concerning the story, all right? But, but what happens in this, in this area of David's life is that he sees a woman, Bathsheba, And he he wants to have relations with her, and he does. He commits an adultery. And so that comes up then in quadrant number three here, that here is David that has been an adulterer. Adult. (laughs) I probably spelled that wrong. An adulterer that David knows not too many other people knows. He went and he sent a servant. Do you remember that? He sent a servant to go ask concerning this woman in in 1 Samuel 11 and verse number 3. If we can go there, 1 Samuel 11 verse number 3. The Bible says, and David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is not this? This is the servant he said. He said, one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? And David sent a messenger and took her, and he came in unto her, and he lay with her, and she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. So, here again is one of those episodes. David's dealing with something. One other person, it seems like, knows, all right? Just one other person, but by and large, it's not common information because this guy says, don't you know that this is, this is Uriah's wife? Which is interesting within itself because most times when people are called out in Scripture, it's like, don't you know this is the, the daughter of... Father or grandfather. It usually never mentions the mate. It always goes back to like father and grandfather, but this guy was underlyingly trying to say, David, this is, another man's, this is another man's wife. Trying to bring that to recognition. You know what that man was trying to do? This is really what was going on. He was trying to point out a problem that had been in David's life even up to that point in time that had blindsided David to a certain degree called lust. Because the scripture tells us in Deuteronomy 17, I got a point before we're all done. In Deuteronomy 17 and verse number 14, whenever it spoke about the qualifications or the criteria, the criterion of of a king of Israel, it says in Deuteronomy 17 and verse 14, these words. It says, when thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God give thee and thou shalt possess it and shalt dwell, dwell therein, shalt say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt by set king over thee that thou mayest not set a stranger over thee which is not thy brother. Okay, so we're going to have somebody that's among us that's going to be our king. Look, but he shall not multiply horses to himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And basically, whenever the king gets there, he's to have a law. He's to have these things written for him. He's to, you know, kind of read them, familiarize himself over and over again. David, folks, I mean, he's stacking up some things down maybe here that only a few know up here because David does multiply horses. David does multiply wives. He takes so many concubines and then more. And you see one passage of Scripture talks about this child, this child's from this lady. this child's from that lady. that child's. And like, it's like, blow you away. Amen. So he has all these different things in his life, amen, that's going on that he shouldn't be doing. But also there is that lust factor since he already had all these concubines. Maybe not totally aware of it to himself, but there's some people that understand what's going on in David's life and they're trying to help him. And maybe really what his problem was, maybe David was a little bit familiar with his lust. But having all these concubines, maybe he was a little oblivious to his disobedience. Now, how in the world is that possible? I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how you can do something and still be blindsided to the fact that you've done it. And it's called this. Denial. You can do something and it can still blindside you. Because you're not willing to acknowledge that you've done it. And so David, perhaps trying to hide lust in process of being disobedient, but not acknowledging that disobedience, he's blindsided to it. And what everybody sees on the surface then is all these wives and concubines are part of David's life. Is everyone doing all right? Amen. So we see all these things. And so what lust starts to do for David, it starts to, what we talked about last week, it starts to degrade his overall character. His overall integrity. And he's not evidently being accountable to anybody. David's not asking for feedback. Amen. Thank goodness for people that will step into our life and give it, but there's a lot of people that won't. you got to ask for it. And if you're never asking for some good constructive feedback in your life, these things that you don't know about yourself and even these things that you try to keep private can just remain so obscure. And they can be the undoing of us in our Characters. Amen? Just trying to stay here. Just trying to stay on. Uh, another example, if you want another example of a little bit of all this, consider Gideon. This is, let me just, this will give me an inroad to the unknown spot. Consider Gideon. The oppression of the Midianites, threshing wheat by the wine press, right? An angel of the Lord appears to him. This is not somebody he knows per se, you know? This is not himself but shows up in David's life and says, or in, in, in Gideon's life, says, Thou mighty man of valor. Hold on. Now, back in this quadrant here, what's open, Gideon, everybody else knows, he's a part of the least tribe. He's the least of his father's family. Carrying around all of that in his own heart and mind, and what even others kind of push up on, he's of the least tribe. He's the least of his father's family. But when the God factor got brought in God says you're a mighty man of valor now look at the domino effect then for Gideon's life knowing the God factor part of his life he goes out he takes care of business with the Midianites brings deliverance for the Israelites because he got the God factor part of his life so the question that we just kind of wrestled with this morning what would have been the outcome? Had there never been the God factor. Had there never been the unknown that was there. That was there, but it was never spoken to his life not allowing the God factor. He had still been the least of his father's house and fill in the least of all the tribes and may have still been fresh and wheat by a wine press somewhere. It would probably have been somebody else besides Gideon. Not because he didn't have the potential, but because he wasn't awakened to his own potential. I know, I said I'm going to condense this this morning, and I am, because I think we can do it justice and still condense it today. The God factor here concerning David. Here's what I want you to wrap your minds around this morning. We know he's a leader. We know he's a composer. We know he's a shepherd. We know he has taken wives. We know know that uh, Nathan, okay, right, Nathan finally comes later in the book and he he, he's, he's given David some accountability, some feedback, because David has sinned with Bathsheba. And note what the Scripture says, if you real quickly, and if I find it here in my notes somewhere, amen, that's all over the place. Amen this morning. If you look at the Scripture of 2 Samuel 12, look what the Bible says concerning Nathan. The Bible says, and this is awesome, and the Lord sent. Everybody say that, and the Lord sent and the Lord sent Nathan unto David and he came into him and shared that story of the there was a guy that had a one little ewe lamb and another guy who had a sojourner come and and he asked the man if he could have his little ewe lamb for the purpose of the sojourner and he killed it and that da, done da, da, David's you know getting you can see David's tensing up in the scripture remember he's starting to cast well this is what should be done to that man blindsided blind this is what should be done he's blindsided this is what should be done to the man and then nathan boom feedback thou art the man boom something just opened up in david's life something that he had been trying to keep secret and he was blindsided to because he didn't want to acknowledge god sent a man God sent a man into his life says, I need to give you some feedback concerning you. Nathan." I don't know if Nathan knew it to begin with, sister Sharon, but God gave the information to Nathan. And Nathan shared it with David. And David's like, boom, there I am. But folks, here it is. That's great and that's tremendous and that's wonderful. But there is still this God unknown area of David's life. And I, I'm going to rush to a close, but this is, God's, uh, this is the God portion of David's life right here. Take my time. Okay, that's what my wife says. <laughs> okay, if that's the case, let me just say something else then about this whole relationship of what Nathan did. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27 and 6. It's up there among the, the verses there. Proverbs 27 and 6. It says, Faithful are the wounds. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Another, uh, that, that, that translated in Hebrew actually says, This trustworthy are the bruises caused by the wounding of one who loves you. Trustworthy are the bruises caused by the wounding of one who loves you. Let me say this. Please do not eradicate the people in your life that speak into your life. And that goes from pastors to teachers to leadership personnel. It doesn't, it doesn't always set good, but in the end of the day, it's for our good. Okay. Okay. David factor what is this then now all this come about David David is aware he's owning he's owning his sin with Bathsheba there's going to be a lot of fallout in his family over that there's a lot of consequences that come with that everybody knows he's a warrior a composer you know he's not he's not worried about now everybody knowing he's a harpist and had been an adulterer all these things and we think man we that's kind of you know because it seems like the more that you tell people about yourself and then the more that they inform you, it's like, man, this, this arena right here, this open arena just gets large and it would seem like the unknown, you know, gets smaller. But there's always going to be a part of that that can only come from God. So, David, what is it? What is it that's in your life that only God can speak in your life? You remember these words. We've preached about it. We've taught about it. But I pondered about them over the past week. We read whenever Samuel was speaking to Saul, the king prior to David said, Saul, you've done wrong in the sight of God. The kingdom's going to be taken away from you. Samuel had this information, no doubt, from God. He said, God is going to seek him out a man. That's after his own heart. You see that phrase in the book of Samuel, and the only other place you see that phrase is in Acts whenever it's being recalled as a story. Here's what I'm trying to get at this morning, folks. Consider with me. The unknown of David's life, this is powerful to me, the unknown of David's life is that he himself had never known that he was a man that was after God's. If Samuel didn't know it from God, he would have never been able to tell him. No, then with that being said, nobody knew, and David would not have known himself. The only one that knew was God. And had he never allowed the God aspect into his life, he'd never been aware that he was a man that was after God's heart. So I ask us this morning, as we sit here with all these different personas of our life, our, our public and our private and the seen and the unseen and those things that we are blindsided by, how, how, I'm asking, would David had lived his life perhaps differently if he had had known the unknown before some of the other things had precipitated in his life? And so with that being said today, God knows some things about your lives. That no one else knows. That you don't know. That you don't know. See, some people will live their lives according to what they know they have hidden that nobody knows about. They will only live their life to a certain plateau and a certain degree because I know things. I know how they see me, but I know who I am. I know what I've done. I know where I've been. I know what I struggle with when nobody else is around. I know the thoughts and the struggles that go on in my head. And so I can only live my life to a certain degree because I know me. Right? And then we have the idea of what maybe feedback we've got. Some perhaps true and some untrue. Because there could probably really be another box over here somewhere that's called assumptions. It's what there are those things, concrete things that people know about you and there's those other things that people think they know about you. Right? And so every every bit of feedback you get is not from concrete evidence. Some of it is from assumption. And so with that said, then some people are living their lives by what other people's assumptions are about them. Failure. They're a failure. They'll never make it. Right? And so... We live our lives sometimes then according to what we have hidden, according to what other people. But what about the God factor? If every, for instance, if everything else, the secret things in your life that are hidden that are just so negative, it would be horrible if anybody would even knew. And there's probably some of those areas we will always keep tucked hidden. And then there's other things that people are saying, I'm going to walk my life like this because these other areas of my life are telling me that this is the way I should walk. David, you'll do that. You'll, you'll, you'll sleep with Bathsheba and you'll have other headaches and all these things. But if you allow God in, he's going to reveal a side that you wasn't even aware of yourself. And please note this this morning. Please note this this morning. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there. So the greatest moment in David's life, Goliath, the name associated perhaps with the worst moment, Bathsheba. But listen, just because Bathsheba seemed to be David's worst chapter in his life, wasn't his last chapter in his life. Because when we read the Old Testament, you read the Old Testament, you read about a king. And it either says, this king was a good king, this king was a bad king. It's like no middle-of-the-road king, you know. When the end of the story, is done, it's kind of good or bad. And a lot of times, if it's a bad king, he said, he walked in the footsteps of his father Jeroboam, Right? A lot of times brings up Jeroboam because he's just like this notorious bad king, you know. But whenever we come to David's life, it talks about David being good, a good king. Not only that, any other good king that came after David, they say they walked in the footsteps of their father. David. So David had this horrible chapter in his life, yet he's a benchmark and a measurement even for other good kings that come after him. Let me tell you how that happens. 1 Kings four, or 15, verse 4 and 5. Look at this. This is just amazing to me. 1 Kings 15, verses 4 and 5. Did I give you that one? You're probably searching for it, didn't you? All right, I'll go to it. Maybe I did. 1 Kings, chapter number 15. It might be one that slipped through the fingers. Verses 4 and 5. Thank you. Nevertheless, for David's sake, Did the Lord his God give him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem? It's just kind of a closure of David's life. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now, the Bible does not ignore David's worst chapter of his life. But David repented when Nathan confronted him. David confessed whenever Nathan confronted him. And so it wasn't going to become a defining moment in his life. Listen now. The Bible doesn't ignore his sin, but it says that David was a tremendous man, did good in the eyes of the Lord, saved only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. The Bible doesn't ignore David's sin, but it says it was just an exception to the rule. Do you get that? David's great just for this exception. It doesn't make it the focal point. It makes it the exception to the normal rule of David's life. That can happen. That can happen. The things that you thought were going to define your life can become the exception to the rules in your life. When you allow the God factor to come into your life. Amen. If you can stand for me this morning. A man that's after God's own heart. What we need here this morning, God's presence has been very, very kind to us today. But what we need here this morning is for us to willingly invite God into our lives. Willingly invite God into our lives, regardless regardless of what, the hidden areas of our life that we know, and you take that, Bishop, the hidden parts of our life that we know that no one knows, regardless of the things that we've been blindsided by that that we're not aware of, that other people know, we need to invite God into our lives. Because I'm confident today that oftentimes whenever people come to this place called the church, they come in, they hear the songs, they hear the sermons, that speak about different aspects of their life or possibilities that can happen and take place, and they sit there in disbelief. To believe that is possible for everybody else sitting there except for them. They look maybe at some uh, of the members of this church. Oh, I know they've been going there for years. and That's possible for everybody. What that preacher is saying, what he's saying, you know, about being able to live such and such life and victory and all this, that's great for everybody except for me. But see, what you have in your life at that moment is an unknown area. Hmm. You have an unknown area. Nobody can tell you about that area. Your family can't tell you about it. No matter how close you are to your spouse, they can't tell you about it. You, you, can't, you can't delve into your life with some self-discovery in order to find it. But the Creator who formed you, fashioned you in your mother's womb, He knows that spot. If you'll just invite Him into your life today, He wants to speak some things into ear. And it could very well be something that you don't even know. He I created you in essence, and He did all of He says, I created you to be a child of God. I created you to be one that's after my heart. You don't have to live your life any other way than what would be in, in, in tandem with that. That's the unknown. That's the missing piece. You know, people, man, there's just a missing piece in my life. I just don't know what it is. You know, there's that void and that vacancy. People are on great journeys today of self-discovery. They are. They're on great, they are on great journeys today of self-discovery. You know, I want to know myself. I want to know who I am. And they'll go far and wide trying to figure it out. You can find it out this morning. In the house of God. From God. We bow our heads in this place today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. With the username FACMC. Again that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.